and welcome to Say That, the podcast for your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago, and joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. Hello, and welcome to Say That. You feel good about that? Yeah, I just wanted to Happy steal, what you did there. steal your line, seeing if I could uh, compete, you know. Sure, you're just trying to steal my thunder. I see how it is. So joining us is Jed Brew, the director of Mission USA Productions. Welcome to Say That? <laughs> nah, that wasn't it. No. I'm That's not where we're going. All the joining us all the way from Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. This is the podcast where your big questions get real answers. Folks, we're glad you joined us. Wow. Wow. That's three very valid takes. All wrong. I was going valid. for full radio right there. I like sure. that. That's good. Yeah. I like that the intro has become the, these pretzels are making me thirsty as a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so we open up this week, something we don't do very often, on a pleasant note. Really? Ah. Yeah. We had our friend uh, Tiffany from the tumblers there. Ah, yeah. He sent in a very lovely note about us being helpful and all this nonsense, apparently having some spiritual value in her life. That's awesome. That's and awesome. that's almost, it's almost unbelievable, but we choose to take her word and it's a lovely sure. thing. So yeah. that's we great. appreciate that a ton. We like, we always like hearing that we're doing some good as we speak these words out into the internet ether. Yeah, we absolutely do. I mean, that's a good thing. It's a positive thing. It's heartwarming. Nice. You know, it makes the whole thing worthwhile. But I have something that involves us making money, so I'm declaring an emergency. 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 It's an emergency. Emergency capitalism. See, because it's about <laughs> money. If you fiscal if you, emergency. I'm sh- regular longtime listeners to this podcast will know there's one thing we believe in, and that's cold hard cash. <laughs> but the love of money is the root of all evil. It's root of all kinds of evil. Yeah. There are other kinds. Oh, I see. So, you know, here's the thing. Love and money is very dangerous, so you can just send your money to us. Also, right. for you. If the, yeah. thing, if the one thing about us is we're all about the money, we really suck at being all about the money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's really true, isn't it? That's, that's, kind of, that's really sad, actually, yeah. more than anything, really. Yeah. Okay, oh. so in the spirit of making mad Bank. We got a note from our buddy Woo. Alan. He had yeah, an idea. Alan. He wanted yeah. to give it to us. I think I think this is killer. Okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna put it out. I want us to throw this around. Alan says, "Here's something I'd like to see in a Christian bookstore: a P90X extreme workout style Christian video for the ladies called P31X in the style of Proverbs 31. Wow. Activities bad. would include lifting wool and flax, uh, cooking a sunrise breakfast, things uh, like that. Sure. Yeah. So I like that. If anyone wants to send any hate mail in, they send that to Alan and not to us, right? <laughs> it, well, look, I think it goes to Jed because his idea to put that on the that's podcast. That's right, Jed. That's right. We're all accusing Jed. I send agree. Send me your hate mail and your cash. You right. said all that to Jed at the internet dot Google. But here's what I'm saying, man, is <laughs> if we know there's one thing the Christians love, right. it's hoops to jump through. Right. And yeah, I take think, it to the max. You think those hoops should be literal? I think those hoops should be literal. <laughs> <laughs> Plyometrics. Yes. You got to work your core. You got to work your core. Are you I, saying you have to blast your spiritual quads? You have to blast your physical <laughs> and spiritual quads. Wow. Somehow this podcast is stealing from itself. So you got, you got it's your all folding in. Your dorsum. No one can see you people pointing to yourselves. I don't know if you know, I, I, I did over a thousand. You're referencing things burn. nobody's ever heard of. It's part of my life. Here's, here's the thing is you felt guilty 
over yeah. your spiritual condition right, as it right. pertains to having a godly image. You bet. What if we can make you feel guilty over your physical condition uh, as I it relates to having a godly uh, marriage? a couple of industries that make their money on making women feel bad about their physical image. It's known as all of them. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's kind of, that's That market's kind of uh. cornered. Yes, but we want to add Jesus into that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Oh, what could go wrong? You got you got it. Jesus says you've got to work your core. That's the slogan. <laughs> is is for that what P31 he says? One X. If there's not been a megachurch that's youth program is the core, I will eat my hat. <laughs> the core. I don't have a hat, but I will buy it and I will eat it. And you know, core is an acronym for something. Come to to the core meeting tonight. Core group. Core. Well, look, I think, you know, look, I'm not sexist. Right. All right. Right. This, right. I'm not. I'm Clearly. I'm not whatever ist is always something that precedes a very bad statement. Right. right. Just going to point true. that out historically. I And in the spirit of that, I'm not sexist. I'm not trying to put anything on the ladies. I'm saying we got a product for men, too. Oh. We okay. call it Job Fit. <laughs> it's a, it's in the spirit of Job 29. It's a 29 minute workout, right, to get you ready for marriage. It's involved right. your house burning down and you having to like rebuild things <laughs> just to go with that Job theme. Well, so you know, Job 29, of course, is where isn't that where it talks about I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a woman. And Probably that's what they're referencing with I, being a Job 29 man. I don't think is that in Job 29. Might as well be. Somebody if it helps a bit, go ahead. Yeah, the, the thing to understand here is none of this is serious or factual. But yeah, we're as long gonna, as it serves the bit. We're going to go with that for a second. So basically... <laughs> I'm looking it up in the Bible. That's how I am. All right. And He's got a Bible on his phone. Bible. That's how holy he is. While why, you're doing why do we, that... Why don't we just be silent while I look at <laughs> <Just have> it? <laughs> pause. While. Let's all just wait together. We're, it's going to be awesome. Say that. Well, Can we do the Wayne's World? Yeah, instead of dead air, as Je as Glenn suggested, I will point out that so you want to market a Christian fitness program, Job Fit, and instead of Job Fit and with Job Fit, you just overlooked CrossFit. Oh, dude! Can't just wow. read CrossFit with like two T's or something. Yeah, but CrossFit—that's a trademark name. I'm saying CrossFit with two T's, or you make and you alter the logo somehow. Yeah, if you go with a for K. the CrossFit obvious. with a K. I'm saying <laughs> CrossFit with a K could be a problem. <laughs> yeah, crusty comedy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying Job Fit. I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a girl. So you do a thing where you're standing and your eyes look around, but then you have to wear your eyes are looking at the ground really fast. And you do it 29 times in a Averting row. Averting your eyes. Why would that take 29 minutes? But you do it, it seems a lot. To be looking at, you said 29 times. It seems, you know, your supersets. <laughs> Look, I'm the idea man here, Matt. I'm not, you know. High intensity <laughs> interval training of looking around. <laughs> supersets. We got Thank that you. verse yet, Fitzgerald? <laughs> I'm a black belt in furtive glancing. <laughs> Job 31. That's the verse. Oh, what's Job 29 one. about? Job 29 is about olive oil. Okay, well... That's the key to a Christian marriage, is plenty of olive oil. <laughs> no. No. Now! No! I'm going to declare a secondary emergency to get Jed out of trouble yet again. We got a a, 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 a tweet come in over the, the, the uh, tweet machine. Sure. And... The tweetogram. This comes from at... That's when they have the little A with a circle around it, Jed. Right. You call yes. that at. Right. You don't go like a circle. 
No. That's no. not how the cool people do it. At Pocket Size Geek. Woo! Uh, and she, this is Miss Elizabeth, and she's awesome. And she's in yeah, London. She she's super cool. And she's a, a super fan. And here's what uh, she said, because here's what we, we, this is a huge emergency we've been talking about. Um, you know, the number one podcast that we're gunning for, that we want to see be taken down by us, that we will reign supreme over, is the Joel Osteen podcast. Somehow the summary of that keeps getting longer. Yeah. And what happened is uh, we discovered that uh, he, uh, you know, at some point in the future uh, realizes that we're ruling all media and he sends time-traveling cyborgs back into the past to try and destroy this podcast. Right. That's just basic science. Now... It's neither basic nor science. Go ahead. What we have realized is these time-traveling cyborgs have been trying to, you know, interfere with the podcast, causing various problems with... That's a the, much better explanation than my incompetence, so sure. Yeah, you know, te- <laughs> you know technical di- difficulties have happened. Well, we realized as well, and we've tried to warn people, that time-traveling cyborgs will probably try to interfere with you listening to the podcast because that's how they... they don't have anything better to do. Not, he's just not trying to take us out. He's trying to take you people out that that's are listening right. to this. Well, this came over the, the tweet machine, and this is, you know, because we deal with a lot of dating advice. So that's what this is. It's dating advice. She says, so my boyfriend confessed to me today that he was a time-traveling cyborg. Whoa. What do I do? Sure. Okay. Who I, hasn't been there? I, yeah, I, th- <laughs> we've all dealt with this. Let me just kick it off, and I'll send it I remember it around. that Saved by the Bell episode. Yeah, I, I'll send it around to the other guys. He's a time-traveling cyborg now. Right. But has he always been a time-traveling cyborg? I mean, he was a time-traveling cyborg in the future. And he has been a time-traveling cyborg in the past, but is he a time-traveling cyborg now? Has he changed his ways? Has he repented? I think either way, here's what you want to do. Immediately put on your Say That emergency bracelet. Absolutely right. Right, sure. To alert other Say That listeners in the area to have your back. Exactly right. Because sure. in case anything goes down. Right. But I'll hand it off to these other guys to give some dating advice on dealing with a time-traveling cyborg in your relationship. I think the first question you got to ask is, have you picked up your copy of our P31X program? Because if you have, yeah. and you've been doing that training, then you're ready to enter combat sure, right. with a time-traveling cyborg. Jed's not okay. the smoothest cross-promoter, but he's dedicated. Yeah. And that's good. <laughs> yeah. See... In P31X, you learn, as you know, uh, as Alan suggested, you learn how to move wool and flax from one location to another. Right. Sure. It's a known fact. Androids, cyborgs, they can't handle wool or flax. Oh. Both those materials yes. interfere with their internal programming and, and things. Right. It's very complicated. I wouldn't want to confuse you by yeah, yeah, the keep details. Yeah, yeah, keep it simple, yeah. But that's the thing. If you just bust out... A wool garment. And here's the thing. I'm about to pull this off. Check this out. This is going to be amazing. Wow. All right. If you start moving wool garments around, right. you will generate static electricity. That's right. That static electricity, when applied to the cyborg boyfriend, it will evaporate the oxide layer in his CMOS circuitry, which will render it inoperable, thus defeating him all because you did P31X. Wow. Boom. That's a science fact. That bid is the end result of tens of thousands of dollars of engineering <laughs> education. 
all culminating in that moment. But but Lee, jump in here. What do you do well, if you're dating a time traveling cyborg? Look, the first thing is you you do have to figure out is is this true? Is I'm this so a real? Concerned, we're all using the same tone of voice we use for real advice. Yeah, is this an actual time traveling cyborg? So what are, what do they call that thing when you're like, let's say you're ordering concert tickets from the internet, and then they and then they show you like those funky looking letters, and you it's have a captcha. to captcha. It's a CAPTCHA? Okay. So what you need to do is you need to make a love letter made up of entirely of CAPTCHAs. Oh. Okay. There, now, I guarantee you right now there is a Tumblr dedicated to this. Yeah. CAPTCHA okay. love poetry. A, a, a CAPTCHA love letter. Right. So a CAPTCHA love letter, and, and, you, and you put in, you know, uh, uh, you have to have specific information about, you know, the, the about the the podcast and stuff like that just stuff that only a true dedicated lover of say that would get so if it's not uh, if this person is not a tra- time traveling cyborg then uh then they'll be able to read it they'll be able to respond they'll laugh at the jokes with you that kind of thing if it is then it's this is the fastest way to get tipped off while they're reading the captcha that's when you go get the liquid nitrogen yes right Here's what I'm saying, and let's keep this biblical. You're not supposed to be unequally yoked with somebody. Right, right. If right. he's a time traveling cyborg, you know, he that's something he needs to repent of and get on track. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah. Totally. So here's what I wanna I wanna double back to real quick. Lee said you need to come up with a system for figuring out if someone's human or not. And what he landed on was laughing at podcast quotes. I think Lee just Put forth that enjoying this podcast is what it means to be human. Oh, well, totally, absolutely. Well, I mean, the the people have spoken, man. Uh, cyborgs hate this podcast. Can everyone else be horrified by that? If you don't like this podcast, you may be a cyborg. Well, here's what I'm saying: is if you don't like the say that podcast, can you officially you be a line. human? Maybe, but Maybe. can you prove it to me? You can't prove it. Can you know it yourself? That's right. You could Do- be. Like a program to think you're human cyborg. What if you've been assimilated and you don't even know it? That's right. The only way to tell is that you like this podcast. Period. New tagline. Okay, here's here's the thing. <laughs> yes, Elizabeth, Matt. I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk. Here comes directly. Matt's gymnastics, his weekly yeah. gymnastics routine. No, we're not even there yet, Elizabeth. <laughs> I want to direct this directly to you and you too, Alan. You're nice people. You thought, I'm going to write a funny little note to Jed or Glenn, and they'll enjoy that because I'm a good, fun, funny, sharp Christian person. Right. And they are. You both yeah. are. And you thought, this will bring some light to the day of a person who has a very tough job. Right. And that happened. Right. But now I have to deal with that. Yeah. And I and don't appreciate that. That's the best part of all. That's right. That's, that's right. That's like dessert. Yeah, that's the real blessing. <laughs> so you brought this into my life now. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> and on that note, I declare emergency off. Emergency off. Gymnastics time. Everybody prepare yourself. It's a segway. It's a segway. It's a physical. do it. Now, as I pointed out, you've made my life, Elizabeth, Alan, you've made my life much worse. Yeah. Shortened it, no doubt, for having to sit through this segment right. and, you know, the blood vessels. Right. But I'm not angry. Right. You know why? Hmm. Is it because I'm a good person and I'm Christian and forgiving you? No. It's not that. Certainly not that. Not no. ever that. No. Your Bridgebox subscribers. 
And that's I can't true. be mad at Bridgebox subscribers. Oh yeah, that's that right. was nicely done. That that was, was well a quality done. segue. That's you the people who are giving your hard-earned money so that Gold ministry metal. can go on in the inner city to people who otherwise wouldn't be ministered to. Right. Pete and Tasha are out there helping people, getting them housing, getting them jobs, getting them to the center, getting their kids taken care of. They wouldn't be able to do that if it weren't for Bridgebox money. They'd have to be at work. Yeah. You people are doing, Alan, Elizabeth, other Bridgebox subscribers, you're doing good things. Yeah. So right. feel free to make my life worse on the podcast. <laughs> That's right. That's a Wait, that was a carte blanche right Please there. Do. Bridgebox. A bonus perk is you get to inflict yourself on me. Yeah. That's, that's like great. A, that's that's like a carte blanche for tomfoolery sure. against Matt right if there. If you want a free reign of shenanigans into my life, missionusa.com slash bridgebox. Free reign of shenanigans. I like it. <laughs> $8 a month. You can inflict every bad thing on me you can think of. And then for that, we're going to start putting that in the email. And on top of that, not only that, you'll get songs, you'll get sermons, you'll get Bible studies, you'll get devotionals, you'll get videos you get extra cool stuff from the four of us and some other awesome friends every month based on a topic the september one is how do i get started in a new place and i'm turning into ron popeo before your ears not only that wait there's more, there's more. If you sign up this month you will get a free bridge box branded my heart is whole moleskin journal Oh. And if you're already a Bridgebox subscriber, as many of you are, and you still want the journal, then you can sign a friend up for a gift subscription. You pay the $8, they get a Bridgebox, you get the journal. That's still less than a Moleskin journal would cost, which as I rethink that, I think we might be bad at business. But we already said it, so that's what we're doing. So, hey. And just capitalism. to clarify, that's a, a one-month gift subscription, just for yep, them to be able one to try month, it out. $8, one month, the normal rate. You won't have to pay anything after that. They won't get any more after that if they don't want it. All right, so that's all. MissionUSA.com slash Bridgebox. Well, I'm already exhausted. <laughs> Let's get into some questions. There you go. This first one came into our Tumblr from our friend Cracker Chan. Excellent. Which I looked up her bio as a lovely young lady who lives in the Highlands of Scotland. Yes. Whoa. And the username is something I cannot say without sounding racist against our Asian brethren. Well, I feel like go. that's a joke on me. Yes. You know, that's cool. I, I just want to point out this is a lovely gal lives in the Highlands of Scotland. Yeah. I was just thinking the same thing, dude. You know, Matt is of Scottish ancestry. Oh. Yeah, he is. Keep saying whatever you want. They're not going to hear it because I edit the show. You just keep rolling. <laughs> just, keep, just keep talking. I can be here all night. No. Okay. So she writes in a question. It says. I'm wondering, what does it mean to accept Jesus as a personal Savior? I keep hearing that word thrown around in fundamentalist groups, and I never fully understand what it means. Glenn, can you start us off? Absolutely, and I can give you sort of the basics and, and uh, maybe let these guys dive in a little deeper. Uh, what we're talking about here, hopefully, uh, when people are using that term, is uh, the moment of receiving salvation and starting a relationship with God. Uh, it's uh, the most important in, in a moment in a person's life. This is, you know, uh, if they should make that decision, uh, this is the difference between heaven and hell for them in their lives. It's a big, big thing. Uh, there's a reason why we use that kind of uh, language a lot. There's a reason why we focus on evangelism is because it's super, super important. Uh, we'll take this brief moment to point out that Jesus said, make disciples of all nations, which means evangelizing them and then discipling them. 
uh, so that uh, we want to make sure those two things go together. Uh, what happens when we accept Jesus as our personal Savior is that we begin by asking him for forgiveness, and that's for forgiveness of all of our sins, and we accept in that moment a free gift of salvation. This is the language the Bible uses, and it's a gift in, in that we don't earn it. If, if I earn something, that's wages. That's, uh, you, I, I earn that paycheck. You owe me that paycheck. Um, the Bible says you don't owe, God doesn't owe you in that sense. You don't earn it. You don't have any way of uh, 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 doing certain works that then will turn around and give you salvation. It is a gift, and you accept it as a gift. Someone else did the work to get, uh, obtain that salvation for you and give it to you, and that's Jesus himself. Uh, the other thing that we're asking God to do in that moment when we're accepting his, him as a, as a personal Savior is asking him to come in and be our Lord, has, asking him to come in and call the shots, uh, letting him be in charge. That's a, a, a decision that we make when we accept that salvation. But of course, that's something we work on throughout the entire course of our lives, is allowing him to take over and be Lord over a larger and larger percentage of our lives. Uh, but that commitment begins in that moment. And then finally, um, uh, we do want to really emphasize that word personal. When we say Jesus Christ is our personal Lord and Savior, we mean by that that we have a personal, intimate, one-on-one relationship with God that's unique to the two of us because I'm a unique person. My relationship with God would be different than Judd's relationship with God. He's a different kind of guy than I am. So... Uh, we want to develop a relationship that has that deep, intimate feel so that uh, the, the, that God and I figure out a way of communicating and, and interacting with one another and, uh, and that that's something that's unique. You know, for some people, that might be journaling. For some people, that might be um, uh, writing songs. For other people, it might be you know, going up on a mountaintop or whatever those things are. But we find ways of interacting with God and... Um, like any other relationship, getting that communication going, getting that interaction going, and developing a relationship. So it's not about a religion, which is a rule, a set of rules and rituals we we follow. It's about a relationship that's personal. Absolutely, Lee. Well, I, I love the way that Glenn described that, and you know, and I, you know, there's there's not a way to add a whole lot to that. I I would love to break a couple of things down, just a couple other things that you sometimes hear. One thing I loved about the the way this question was worded was that our friend Krakachan, being uh, from the uh, living in Scotland, has used a, a fancy spelling of the word savior, which we can all appreciate. There are just extra U's laying all over the place in the United Kingdom. They have to put them it, somewhere. Yeah, they just got to stick them in, and it's it's fancy. We like we appreciate that, you know. So uh, anyway, so yeah, uh, here's one thing that you will sometimes hear is that people will say, in order for you to get saved, in order for you to accept Jesus as your personal savior or whatever, the first thing that you have to do is to repent of all your sins. That's one thing that you'll hear. One thing is you won't actually find that phrase in the Bible. Um, you won't find the phrase repent of your sins in the New Testament. It doesn't exist in the New Testament. The, now, the word repent is in the New Testament all over the place, but that word repent, which if you... Uh, <clears throat> I actually saw this on uh, Uncle Glenn's blog uh, in the past day or two. I don't remember where. Yeah. 
Uh, which, by the way, if you guys don't know, those of you who are new to the podcast, all of us on the show have blogs, but Glenn's is... Uh, more people read Glenn's because it's mega super, just uber... I would say it's reached the level of uber popular. It's, uh, it's quite, it's quite popular. <laughs> Uber popular sounds a little aggressive. Like, it might try to take over other blogs. <laughs> it can happen. I don't think we're comfortable with that. Let's Are your, with is your blog invading other blogs? <laughs> <laughs> so here's the deal. Uh, Glenn talked about this on his blog recently, but the word, the word repent, it does, like, one thing that people will say is, you need to repent of your sins. In other words, what they'll say is, if you're really going to get saved, you have to feel terrible about all your sins. And if you don't feel terrible enough, then you haven't really done the thing yet. And here's the deal. The word repent, it doesn't have to do with feeling terrible about yourself. The word repent literally just means to change your mind. And here's the thing. Before you accept Jesus, you're making it through this life on your own. It's you on your own, you on your own steam, you on your own strength, you on your own wisdom, you on your own uh, morals, you on your your own ideas about how the world works. It's you on your own. And what you find is, if you're an honest person, after a while you find out that when I run my own life, I drive it into a tree. Yes. I, 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 if I have the keys to my own life, I will crash this thing every time. Um, I, I am not good at running my own life. I have made a mess of this situation. Me on my own is me at my worst. Basically, what, what the, the word repent in the New Testament is talking about is the old you was you on your own. Um, what if you changed your mind about that? What if you changed your mind about what you on your own? What if you changed your thinking about what you on your own is, uh, is really giving you? If, you? if you started to realize that I, I need some help, and I need, I need a new start. And I need, I need new affections. I need a new heart. I need to care about new stuff. And I need God to come into my life. Like I need a new way to live. Then that is what it means to, to basically, to, that's what it means to repent. I mean, you're changing your mind about what is important and what, what you can do on your own. I mean, that's what that whole thing is. And basically to accept Jesus is to kind of give up you on your own and say, I need to be rescued from myself. Will you, will you come in here and, 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 and salvage this? Will you come in and rescue me? A person that is accepting Jesus as their personal savior is a person who is saying, I am a mess who needs to be saved from themselves. Will you come in and save me? And that's what it is. That it's, it's a person who says, I need to be rescued. And here's the, the, the cool thing about this is, is that when you realize that about yourself and, and Jesus comes into your life, you realize that that is basically how it is for the rest of your life. You realize, I, I need him to come in and rescue me every day. I, I always need him. I'm always needy. And I, me on my own is always me at my worst. And I'm always rethinking how, what a good idea that is. And, uh, and I always need him to come in and save me. Totally. Jed? Yeah, just real quick, just to, to make this as, just even simpler, because we, we deal with a lot of folks that have just no religious background of any kind. And, and if, if you forget everything else, God is saying to you, Jesus is saying to you, I love you, I want to be with you. You getting saved, you becoming a Christian, you, to use your phrase, accepting Jesus as your personal Savior, that's you saying to Jesus, I'm in. Yeah. I, I do. 
Let's do it. It's on. Whatever your, your phrase of choice is. Now, Jesus is saying, I got something for you. Um, you want to be with me. You're saying back to him, I do. I'm in. Um, understand, and, and um, you don't have to have the complete theology and the implications and everything worked out in order to say I do. If you think about it, uh, when you get married, you don't really have any idea exactly what that's going to look like or how that's going to work. Yeah. Um, right. you're, you're standing up an altar and saying, let's do it anyway. Um, right. That's that's how marriage begins. Well, that's what it's like to get saved. Uh, right. You have no idea what this is going to look like, how it's going right. to work. But you know, you got somebody that loves you saying, "I want to be with you." Are you? Will you be with me? And you're saying, "I do." Right. Um, that's that's it. If that's what's in your heart, if that's what you want to say to the Lord, say it and call yourself a Christian and proudly so, because because right. you are. Um, if you're not sure about that, that's okay. Right. Here's the thing you need to know about Jesus: is he's a patient dude. Right. Um, he he loves you. If there's stuff where you feel like we need to talk some things out first before right, I'm right. I'm ready to make a move, on, he's down. Right, he's right. okay. If if you'd like someone to to help in that process, email one of us, message right. one of us. We'd love to say you, know, you say. There's a lot of people that that we talk to say, look, man, um, I don't know if I'm ready for this Jesus thing, but I got some questions. Can right. we just talk about my questions? That's no problem at all. That's that's right. that's just right. And whenever you're ready, wherever you are, you're ready to say I do. Just say I do. Jesus right. knows what you mean, and he's down, and we would uh, we'd be honored to have you, in this case, as, as our sister, but for other folks listening, as our brother or sister in Christ. That's Amen. right. That's an absolutely great point. One thing I'll tack on right on the end here is uh, a lot of times when people are saying, talking about accepting Jesus as personal Savior, they're saying that to differentiate the, uh, the nebulous idea of believing in God. Yeah. Which is a different yeah. thing. The New Testament talks about uh, Jesus offering a covenant in his blood. Covenant's a big old fancy word for an agreement. The new covenant of Jesus' blood is he took pain and death and sin, and we get not pain and not death and eternal life. It's a pretty good deal, but you have to agree into it. And right. that's, that is, as Jed points out, that is different than believing that there's a higher power somewhere, possibly. Bro, I'm spiritual, but not religious. You know what I'm talking <laughs> about. Wow. Did you, did you just come up with that? I'm deep, totally. bro. Oh. I'm deep. I would like to play a song I wrote. It's called Water. It's how we're all flowing wow. in our own way. All right, we we may be referencing real people here, so we'll move on. Um, but you know, uh, so it it sounds like a big scary thing, and some people can definitely lean on it in a way that's weird and believing that talking like you have to do it a specific way. It has to be right. part of an altar call or a certain uh, amount of words, but it it pretty much just means that you believe Jesus is who He says He is, as Jed points out rightly, to the extent that you understand that and you are in. So we're gonna move on to our next question here. Came in anonymously to our Tumblr, and it says. <clears throat> What are good reasons for leaving your church? I've been at mine seven years. It's biblical and scripture-based, and I really like the pastor, but it's huge, and I'm lonely. I've been trying to talk to get into the young adult ministry for almost a year, but no one has invited me to things or talked to me, although I provided my information a couple of times and attended some events. I don't know if I just haven't put myself out there enough or if my concerns are valid enough to leave this place. Lee, can you kick us off? Yeah, absolutely. Um, thanks for the question. And, you know, I, I mean, I could really I could really go a couple of different ways on this question. It's a really cool question. I mean, there's a there's a, what's what are good reasons for leaving your church? There are a cabillion good reasons for leaving your church, but there are also a, a lot of good reasons for staying in a church. And the reason I say that I could go a couple ways on this is that you're saying the church is biblical 
and it's scripture-based, and you really like the pastor. Well, those are some really good things to have in your back pocket. I mean, you're not going to just find that everywhere. And these guys can attest to the fact that that's those are those are kind of three ringers right there. Those are three good things to have. Now, when you say it's huge and I'm lonely, well, that's not good. It's not good to be uh, lonely in a church. And definitely the the red flag here is I've tried to get involved with this ministry. I've left my information, and nobody's getting back to me. Well, that is not good. Okay, that's that's definitely not a good thing. And certainly, if you're frustrated with it and you feel like, look, I've been trying for a year to get in this thing and they won't get back to me, yeah, go go down the road and find another one. I mean, you, I, I feel like you'd be absolutely, you know, it'd be absolutely fine for you to do that. But let me just let me just suggest something, which is if you really do love the, you know, you, you, you feel, you know, spiritually fed by the sermons that this pastor lays down, you feel like it is a scripturally based biblical church and you like that kind of stuff, then what I would suggest is um, forget about the young adult ministry and go find somebody else to care about in this huge church. There are other people. There are children. There are old people. Um, hopefully there's old people, uh, in the church and, you know, find somebody else to care about, find another place to get plugged in. Another thing that some people do who go, some people that go to really, really big churches is they get involved with a parachurch ministry somewhere outside of their church and they go to the church for worship and to hear that biblical pastor and everything. And they get fed with that, but they get their they get their community in that parachurch ministry that they do or the, the other ways to reach out. I think there are some different ways to slice this, but I definitely feel like, look, if somebody was frustrated and they say, nobody got back with me, yes, that is a huge red flag. And I think you'd be perfectly fine with moving on at that point. But at the same time, if you really do love this pastor, I would say, ask the Lord, is there some other group in this church where I might be able to serve somebody or get connected with some people. Maybe it's just old people, or maybe it's some little kids in the kids' ministry or something like that. Maybe it's a different kind of group than just the people that are just like me. Uh, it doesn't have to be the folks that are just like you to for you to really connect and make some friends. I've said this before on the podcast a long time ago, but two of my best friends in the world are both, they're both 60 years old. I mean, we are not the same demographic at all, but we have more fun together, and, uh, and, and I spend a ton of my time with these guys. They're not in my demographic, but, they, but they're my brothers, and we walk together. So uh, you might want to look outside of kind of your demographic thing to find that community that you're looking for. That's a great point, Jed. Uh, well, I think, and we really appreciate you writing in, and just so we're clear, I'm so sorry you're feeling lonely. That That's such a, a terrible thing to feel, and, and we've all felt it, and, and we've all felt, there's something that goes with loneliness where you feel like maybe they just don't like me. Maybe I'm just not what they're looking for, they don't like my flavor, they don't like my style, and and that sucks, dude, and I'm, I'm sorry you're having to deal with that. Um, uh, the truth is, Jesus loves you, we love you, we believe in you, so let's let's get into it. The first thing, and this is kind of a big picture thing um, that actually relates to a lot of stuff, relates to your question, a lot of other things. Suck it up is not the right answer to any problem ever. Right. Yep. Uh, let, let me say that again. Suck it up is not the right answer to any problem ever. Um, um, if you live in a place where you don't use that phrase, um, just deal with it, just handle it, just, you know, uh, uh, just take it. That's not that's not the right answer to a problem. That's not how you deal with problems. Um the way you deal with problems is you say, what do we need to change? What do we need to do differently? Maybe that means leaving the situation entirely. Uh, maybe it doesn't. Maybe it means, as Lee's suggesting, doing some things that are different inside that situation. But if something's not working, do something different. 
Right. Um, this is a phrase that's old enough to be cliche, uh, but it says that the, the functional definition of insanity is to do the same thing and expect different results. Yeah. Um, don't do that. If, if you've been doing one thing and it's getting bad results, do something different. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Here's the next thing. Um, it, I, this may sound a little bit weird, but I, I want you to go with me for a second because this is important stuff. The word pastor in a biblical sense means the person who is... Um, charged with leading you personally to yeah. grow as a Christian and get closer to Jesus. Yeah. Let me say that again. A biblical idea of the word pastor is the person who has been charged by God with leading you personally and helping you to grow and become the Christian that Jesus meant you to be. Somebody shepherding you. Someone shepherding you, someone looking after you. A person that does not know your name is not your pastor. Right. Yeah. Let me say that again. A person who does not know your name is not your pastor. That's not to say they're not a fantastic Bible teacher. That's right. not to say that they're not a gifted public speaker and a gifted communicator, but they aren't your pastor. Right. Um, and we, we want to be very clear on that. In the same way, a church is a group of people who know you and know your struggles, um, believe in you, are there for you, support you, are praying for you personally. That's, that's a church. That's a body, a church body. Um, what you're describing is not a church. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, these people don't, if they don't know you, they are not your church Right. by definition. Again, let me be very clear here. The biblical idea of a church body is a group of people who know you and love you, are there with you, are walking through life with you, living together with you, are invested in your life. If they don't know you, they're not your church. Right. We want to be very clear. That's not to say that it's a bad thing. No. Um, no. It may be a fantastic um, uh, worship concert that takes right, place on a right. weekly basis. It may right. be a fantastic evangelical rally where you could bring an unsaved friend to hear the gospel in a very compelling and, and highly produced way. Um, it, it may be you know kind of just a fun and exciting thing. You know, some of these services are on a Saturday night, and it's a cool thing to do on the weekend, but it's not mm-hmm. your church, right. and we want to be really clear on that. The thing that I would say to you, my friend, is I think what you're feeling is that you don't have a church and you don't have a pastor. Right. Um, and that's the problem that we need to fix. Um, it, that doesn't mean you can't continue to go to this weekly evangelical rally. Um, and that doesn't mean you can't continue to enjoy this really great Bible teacher, but neither of those things are fitting the problem that you have. The problem that you have is you have no church and you have no pastor. So what we need to do, and this is what Lee is talking about, is we need to say, how do I find a church? How do I find a pastor? Most very large membership um, churches, like the one that, that you attend, have what they call cell groups. Um, some people yeah. call those small groups. Some uh, people, what are some other names they community use? Community groups, Bible studies. Home groups. Home group, yeah. community group, Bible study. And for most people life in a— Life groups. Life groups. Um, <laughs> for most people in a very large membership environment, that's their actual church. Right. Is that yeah. small group or home group or cell group. And in many ways, the person who leads that group actually is their pastor. Yeah, that's definitely. that's the, the thing, and it, this thing. There's nothing wrong with that, and everything right with that. Sure, yeah. If, it, if it's working, if that's getting it done for you, then yeah, exactly right. So that, um, if you want to harness the power of the thing that you're already involved with, that's an immediate place to look. Is right. are there cell groups in my area, life groups, whatever, where I can get involved? Most of those meet at different times throughout the week. So if you've got you know limits on your schedule, you can find one that works for you and go get involved. Um, you know that will involve putting yourself out there, but they want you to come. 
Um, you know, we know plenty of people that are involved in large membership religious organizations and involved in running small groups. And and in the main, they're wonderful people that really love Jesus and would love to have you be there. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing, and Lee mentions it, and it's a, it's a sharp insight, is that the quickest way to really feel like you're gelling with people is to serve together. That's that's actually the shortest path to feeling like you have a connection with other people. Um, there are undoubtedly uh, ministries through that uh, through the group that you're already involved with that might um, be certain people doing homeless outreach or uh, work at the jail or work with teen moms or or whatever. Right. But if you'll go and volunteer in that, you will start to feel a connection with those people very quickly, uh, and and they with you. But I think that's the thing is is to say I'm in an environment where I don't have a church and I don't have a pastor, and that's what I'm trying to fix. It's not so much about leaving a church or leaving a pastor saying, I actually don't have one in a biblical sense, and that's what I want to solve, and we've got right. your back on that. Yeah. Absolutely. That's a great point. Glenn? <laughs> well, yeah, I think uh, here's the thing. Uh, uh, church is full of uh, imperfect people. Hello. Uh, there's no such thing as a perfect church. They've all got their issues. Glenn, I've seen billboards that would claim otherwise. <laughs> yeah. Can you tell me those billboards are liars? Yeah, yeah, they they do seem overly squared away <laughs> on the billboard. You can't go to those churches because you're not as square as way as oh, people yeah, on the billboard. Uh, uh, yeah, all, every church has its strengths and weaknesses, and, and um, that's kind of part of the scheme. But I'll tell you the part that I don't like in this is there's a line here. I don't know if my concerns are valid enough to leave this place. I don't like the attitude, is this bad enough for me to leave? Yeah, yeah you're the customer. Yeah. Should I should I suck it up? Is that what yeah, I should do? No, yeah. I think um, there should be, in your mind, a, a level of, uh, uh, of this is where I need it to be in order to meet my needs. If it falls below that level, then we have to make a change. In other words, uh, it's not, is it bad enough for me to leave? It's, it, has it failed to be good enough to feed me in the way that I need? I don't think you should have an attitude of compromise on this stuff. This is your walk. This is the, the most important stuff in the world that uh, you grow and learn and become stronger off this stuff. Uh, this is stuff that you absolutely need. This is stuff, understand, that we don't compromise on. We, don't, we make sure that we get all these things taken care of. Um, one of the, I mean, you're, you, when we go to church, we're going to church for, uh, to have time of praying together, a time of worship, a time of fellowship, and of course, a time of hearing the word. What you're saying here is the word part of that, hearing the, hearing the sermon, that that's good, but we're not hearing anything about the rest of it. So, uh, that's one for four and not good enough. I think that fellowship may be, at, at, in my mind, in my experience, I think the fellowship ought to be top of that list. And it sounds like that's where the real concern is. Uh, and, and as, as Lee is suggesting, you can mix and match on that. If, if the sermon's the only thing that really, really, really is doing it for you there, find out where those sermons are posted online. Can I get, get a recording of those? And, and, and now you're free to, to explore all kinds of options. Yeah, that's right. Also, as as, as uh, Lee is suggesting here, and, and as we're putting out, is that sometimes it's a little bit of a luxury to serve in the same place where you're getting fed, yeah. and and in some cases God may call you to serve the Lord outside the church. So, uh, you know, in other words, uh, to do outreach with people outside of the church altogether, and there's nothing wrong with that at all. You know, you're getting fed and re- recharged in in church, and then you're going out to serve. That's all good, and if you um. If you uh, get 
uh, charged, uh, recharged in order to do that work, then you know you're in a good place. If you're not getting recharged and you're not getting refueled, uh, you're not getting that fellowship, you're not getting that sense of community, then that's a good indication, again, that, that you need to find another place. Uh, but here's the, here's the, I think the crux of this thing is where should your loyalties lie? Because right now you're thinking maybe I should be loyal to the church because if it, I, I, I need a good explanation for leaving this church. I can't just leave this church of my own volition because it doesn't suit my taste. That would be a personal loyalty, a loyalty to myself and my own sense of taste. I should instead be loyal to the church uh, and, and, and do for the church and have a good explanation for leaving if I do leave because the church has to be bad enough for me to leave and violate that sense of loyalty that I need to have to the church. What I would have you do is take that sense of loyalty to yourself and that sense of loyalty to the church and completely remove that from this equation and just replace that with the loyalty to God. Uh, this church didn't die on the cross for you, Buttercup. Uh, the, the, uh, Jesus <laughs> did, and that's where the loyalty needs to be at. Uh, if if this church isn't meeting your needs, uh, then they you, you, there's nothing that you owe them off of that. That's not what that, that's not the right way of thinking. Uh, what we want to the mentality that we have is we want that loyalty to be with the Lord, and if the Lord calls us into this church. Uh, and, and that's a good thing that takes us from A to B. Uh, maybe the Lord's calling us to another church to where that's going to take us from B to C in our walk. Maybe there's one element of this church, that, as we were suggesting here, that really is helpful and beneficial. Let's take that, isolate that, and move on to some other church, some other place, some other way of serving, whatever those things are. It's just suggesting a cell group, a community group, Bible study, etc., and flesh out the rest of those areas that need filling up because excuse me i want you to have a mentality of what if god called me to the throne right now and i had to explain why i'm not getting my fellowship needs met why i'm not uh getting my worship needs met why i'm not serving because you know somebody didn't call me back from the giant church that's too busy the you know spending everybody's money on stuff that doesn't need to be spent on and no one has the time or energy to call me back on the thing i want to do with the serving with it if you have to explain that to jesus you can't blame that on this church you can't say well the church didn't call me back i tried everything i could do doesn't work that way uh you're the one that's accountable before god to to make sure that your needs are met to make sure that you get that fellowship you're gonna have to answer to the lord why are you not getting that fellowship and love and encouragement and all that good stuff that we want for you? You have to uh, uh, look at it from the standpoint of I have to answer to God and not to the church or my own taste. That's an absolutely excellent point. I want to follow up on that real quick and just throw this at you that and no, I am certainly not, I agree with everything these guys have said. I'm certainly not going to say that you haven't put yourself out there enough because I don't know you, I don't know your situation. And as these guys have all pointed out, it really is the church's job to meet your spiritual needs. However, as a grown person, it is in many cases your job to make those needs known. Here's the thing. Every human being needs a different level of social interaction. Every human being gets that from different places. You being lonely in your church is in no way, shape, or form okay. And a large part of that is, to be quite frank, your church's fault. However, I'm not saying it's your fault, but you got to 
you're the one who suffers, as Glenn's pointing out, by not getting that met. Now, if you're a lot of people, there's a lot of shame about loneliness. Uh, More than anything else, people will never, ever admit they are lonely in real life. Now, they'll write us about it because it's a big problem and it's affecting their life. And that's true. But they would never sit down with someone in their life or their pastor or their church and say, I am dying over here. Here's the thing. If you're desperate enough to where you're thinking about leaving a church that you seem to like. And by the way, I was pointing this out from a very, very practical standpoint, has a young adult group which right. a lot of churches don't. Do not. And yeah. we all, all four of us on this podcast, tend to fall into the category of supporting the idea of a smaller church. That's where most yep. of us are more comfortable. Yeah. One thing smaller churches are not good at is people your age. Right. Yeah. Every church in the world is set up to do adults. Every church in the world is set up to do the school-age children of those adults. But that later high school, college, young professional thing, a lot of churches just don't have the manpower right. to have someone for that. And you found yeah. one that does right. that you seem to like. It's worth the Hail Mary pass of don't don't go to the big group and give out your information. Because here's the thing, depending on how big this church is, I can say for all of us people in ministry, that could read as someone who's not that interested. Right. Yeah. Here's the thing. If you're if you're in professional ministry and even if they're just volunteers who run the cell group, you're dealing with people who have issues and problems all day, every day. So if you see someone at the mixer and ask, So how are you doing? You say, Oh, I'm fine. Right. All they hear is, they seem to be great, moving on, because I've got somebody who's going to tell me they're a train wreck. Well, yeah, so, and, and the other thing on that, Matt, is, that, I mean, and this is just kind of what you're saying, but as a pastor myself, I can tell you that, like, you know, there's a lot of people that I know their names, but the the, the conversations that I wind up in are the one, are the squeaky wheels. I mean, that that's where you wind up spending your time. Totally. Is the, if somebody calls me and says, I have a problem, we need to talk. Well, those are the conversations that I'm going to wind up in. So that's that's exactly what you're saying. But yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those cliches, but it's true. The squeaky wheel gets the grease. So you go ahead and squeak. Go ahead and make some noise. Sure. And I don't hear me saying that your church is right and you're wrong. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying if you seem to like the church and you're at the point where you're desperate enough to call the whole thing off, it is worth putting ego aside for a moment and sitting down and having a conversation with someone and telling about how you really feel. We have a very odd... Uh, thing about ego that we think it only comes into play in situations where things are going well and i can tell you from experience ego holds no more doesn't come into play bigger anywhere than when you're on your last thing when pride is all someone has left they cling to it real hard so it's time to swallow that down and sit one of these people down corner them at church and say i go to this church i feel like you guys are ignoring me that's not okay what can we do about it the worst that can happen is they're a jerk and you leave the church and it looks like it's going that way anyway, so it's worth one last shot. All right, we're going to move on to our last question here. It came in anonymously to our Tumblr. It says, how do I approach relationships, marriage, and sex in the way that God wants me to? Parents in the church have always told me to not have sex before marriage. I have addictions to masturbating, which makes me feel especially guilty after being raised to always be, and his. there are quotation marks in this email i will add my own sarcastic quotation marks on top of them virginal Mm -hmm. until marriage my mind is all mixed up on how to approach sex without guilt fear or embarrassment jed can you start us off i can thank you very much for writing us in i I, uh uh, applaud your courage and being honest and open about what you're dealing with and i love your question you know just how do i do all this the way god wants me to i think that's that's, the right question always that's fantastic yeah that's right so to get to that answer, let's let's look at a couple things. Um, 
in your question. You said they, they always told me to not have sex before marriage. Well, we agree. You shouldn't have sex before you're married. Um, bad idea. Bad idea. You don't want to do that. Right. Uh, maybe not for the reasons you're thinking, but but it's a bad idea. I have addictions uh, to masturbating. Um, uh, I'd like to challenge that for a second. Um, yeah. Christians use the word addiction a lot, and they don't know what that word means. Right. Um, we actually work, and, and Lee does as well, with folks that are caught up in actual addiction. Yeah. Um, to substances like crack cocaine and heroin. Um, and uh, addiction is a real medical condition. Right. Um, it's, it's an actual diagnosable thing. Um, and um, uh, there is an implication when people use that phrase that they are sick. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sick, and the proof of that is that I'm masturbating. You're not sick. You're a young person. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a yes. difference. Someone who is selling grandma's VCR so they can get enough money to go get another round of smack, they're sick. Right. They, yes. they are addicted. It's um, controlling their life. It is controlling their life. If you reach a point where you can't stop yourself from masturbating in a public space because you just have to do that right now, then that would start to be an addiction. Right. But that's not what we're talking about. No. What we're talking about is being a young person. It, we're talking about you enjoy it. You like it. Uh, and, and here's the thing is that makes sense. Sure. I'm just yes, addicted we, to eating. Yeah, we all enjoy it, y'all. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, um, the y'all made that so much creepier. You're welcome. Uh, basically, anything that ends in you having an orgasm, it's pretty sweet. Yeah. So, you know, let's. All right. I feel that Glenn and Jed are going to descend into a creepy off if this keeps going in this particular range. <laughs> you guys both win. <laughs> well, they if they win, we all lose. There's no doubt about that. Here, here's here's what I'm saying is, um, uh, um. Lust is a sin. That's that's true. That's biblical. However, if you are, I'm just gonna put this out. There. If you're 19 years old and you have enough hormones flowing through your body to bring down a young elephant, um, <laughs> and you have access to the world's largest store of pornographic material 24 hours a day, and you're you're trying in some way to figure out what to do with that and not completely dishonor God in the process. Heck, dude, the fact that you're trying at all is a miracle. That's pretty it's good. as good as it gets. I mean, there, shame does not belong anywhere in there. Um, uh, dang, dude. It, the fact that you would look at all that and say, you know, all I think about all day, every day is sex. And I have, you know, I can just, you know, dial it up anytime I want. But I don't think God likes that. I'm trying to figure out what to do with that. I think you may be eligible for the sainthood. Right, yeah. This is what I'm saying. So, thing one. Yes. Jed's a little little fuzzy on the way the church looks at sainthood, but you get what he meant. You have to have a bona fide miracle. That's a bona fide miracle. <laughs> we're we're all bad people. Here's what here's what I'm saying. We Stop need to get it. rid of that shame. We need to get rid of that shame. I think shame. you guys should video the podcast. That'd be a great idea. Yeah. No one. No. <laughs> Thing number two is you said this makes me feel especially guilty after being raised to always be virginal until marriage. And there we're going to have to go ahead and stop the train and get everybody uh, uh, together and, and have a talk. Um, yes. There, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of chaos and commotion around these parts. Y'all are going to have to bear with us. Um, being virginal is not a goal. Uh, it's not a good goal. It's not a godly goal. Uh, Virginal means being someone who has no knowledge about sex or sexual things. And if you enter your marriage in that state, it's going to be a disaster. 
Right. You do not want that. It's another thing to say, I'd like to enter my marriage having uh, figured out how to control myself in a way where I'm not regularly crossing boundaries I don't want to cross. That right. is a good goal. That's a great goal. It's a good goal, as you said at the beginning, to, to not have intercourse before marriage. Exactly right. But being virginal, in other mm. words, being you know naive to sexual matters, that's not a good goal. Oh, no. At, at all. Um I read a story from a sex therapist who uh, was seeing a married couple having a lot of problems in, in the bedroom, and he brought him in trying to talk to him about, you know, well, what, what are you dealing with? What's going on? And like, well, besides, and so forth. And finally he says, why don't you, and again, I want to give you a warning. If you got kids, pause it and, and let children out. Um, uh, is, is a sex therapist, he says to this married couple, why don't you, you know, you, you know he turns to the young man and says, you know, you, you have a, a penis. What? Show me, where. what are you trying to do with that? And he lifts up the gal's shirt and points at her belly button. Wow. I'm not making this Real up. Real story. Yeah. I am not making this up. Now, that is being virginal. Right. That's having no knowledge of how anything sexual works. Right. That's not a good goal. And in fact, what the Bible talks about is being wise. And being wise means to see things from God's perspective. And that is what you asked about in the first line of your question, is how do I see things? How do I do things the way that God wants me to, which is another way of saying, how do I see things from God's perspective and act on that? And it might sound like um, a crazy idea, but here's what I'd suggest. And I think these other brothers back me up on this. We do want to talk about God's plan for relationships and marriage and sex, but I think you should consider starting this process by going to the Lord and saying, what else do you want to talk about? Here's why I say that. I have a feeling that most of your prayer life consists of you going to him and saying, I masturbated again and I feel guilty and terrible and and it's awful. Please forgive me. Right. Could we take a week and do something else? Yeah. Could we go to the Lord and say, what else do you have to talk about? Could Could we please talk about something else? Please, please, please. I guarantee you God would love to do that. I guarantee you God has other things he'd like to talk about. We'll get to the sex stuff. Um, He has, he has a plan for it. But sometimes we need to build up um, other aspects of our walk and our relationship with him first and get some other things lined out. Um, if we're at a place where we're being debilitated, which is what you're describing, uh, by shame as it relates to masturbation, I think there's some more basic stuff we need to take a look at first. Uh, and, and that means trusting God to um, see you through and have a plan for you, and we'll figure out that sex stuff a little bit down the road when we get to it. But maybe start by just focusing on that relationship, the fact that he loves you today in the midst of your problems and your screw-ups, that he believes in you and cares about you and has something good for you uh, today. The more we let go of that shame, the better off we're going to be. I guarantee you, the more we let go of that shame, the better off we're going to be. Absolutely, Len. And I think probably a lot of people are going to be rethinking wearing bare midriff outfits after Jed's story yeah. about belly buttons. I know I am. I, well, I love the idea that Jed had to stop right before that and tell the people to, to get their kids. I mean, the idea that kids are still listening to this episode after <laughs> other things that have happened is just... Or if they've been listening to the podcast, the idea that they're not at full just earbuds at this point. There's just no way that's not happening. Let me just say this. We get hate mail. Y'all don't know yeah. this, but we actually do fairly regularly get complaints. We're, we're doing the best we can. We're all bad people. Yeah. And 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 we deal with people on the streets. So this is the most behaved yeah. I'm capable of being. Absolutely. Just be happy. Yeah. You're doing great, Jed. Thank you. Uh, here's what I'm going to say on this topic. And we we love you. And we're, we're glad you sent this in. Um. It, Let's take a deep, deep breath, and let's just start over from the beginning. 
human body's beautiful. Yeah. You should uh, marvel at it. You should be uh, amazed by it. You should think this is a, a beautiful and amazing uh, thing that God has created. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, yes, it turns into lust when we sort of can't control the desire that we have for that stuff. But it doesn't mean that we don't appreciate it. It doesn't mean that we don't find beauty in other human beings. That's just, that's that's not our goal. Uh, God is not telling you that sex is dirty. He's not saying that it's evil. He's not saying that you're evil for wanting it either. Uh, it becomes a sin when it gets out of control in some cases and, in, 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 you know, in your life and the way that you're living it out. But sex, here's the thing, is designed to be awesome. Yes, yeah. Uh, now here's where things go wrong. I'm going to, I'm going to try and, as Jed said, we work with people in addiction. I'm going to tell you how all addictions of any kind form. Okay. It's a very simple idea. When you have something that's pleasing, but not satisfying, that's how you get an addiction. Pleasing, but not satisfying. If you're satisfied, you receive something, you say, whoa, that's it. That meets my need and I'm cool and I'm good now. I don't I don't need more of that to make myself feel better because I'm satisfied. When you receive something that's pleasing but doesn't fully satisfy you, then you keep trying to grab more pleasure in order to get to a place of satisfaction. That's the thing with you know if you're if you're drinking alcohol, it never satisfies you. It makes you feel good for a second and then immediately that wears off and you have to do something else to try and get that feeling back. If it's a shopping addiction, if it's a, a you know a, a drug addiction, if it's a sexual thing, whatever it is, the the problem is when we misuse sex, it's not satisfying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's pleasing, of course. Otherwise, you know, we wouldn't be getting into it. The that's the whole problem. When we misuse sex, it's pleasing, but it's not satisfying. If you have a healthy Christian, godly marriage and you work on that and i don't mean just work on that in the relationship sense i mean work on it in a sexual sense yeah, right. here's what i like here's what i don't like and the, you know whatever um sometimes your partner screams out and you think you're doing great and you realize you're on her hair <laughs> and you have to communicate that spares the details Cheryl. <laughs> you know at some point you're like you're yeah you're welcome. And she's like, no, get off my hair. Seriously. And you're Spare like, Spare us you know. the details, Miss <laughs> Cheryl. <laughs> so, you know, um, we have to communicate and we have to figure out. But if you have a good, healthy Christian, uh, a godly marriage, you will find a deep, deep satisfaction in that uh, a sexual part of your life. And if you if you don't have that, you can keep chasing that high and trying to get to yeah. a place of satisfaction. You won't get it. That's what creates a problem that we're that we're looking at with sexual stuff. You're not alone in this. Everybody deals with this. Everybody, everybody, everybody deals with this. If they're not dealing with it right this second, they have dealt with it. They should know exactly what you're talking about. Everybody likes the sex. Everybody likes the nakedness. Everybody likes the sexy stuff. Everyone, you know, is turned on. Everyone has desires. If you feel like you're the only one, you have hit on a massive misunderstanding of what's going on. Some of these people will talk like you're the only one and you're not, and they're uncool for putting it that way. If you think God looks down on you because you desire sexual stuff, you need to take some time, get alone with the Lord, and say, God, I like this stuff. 
is does this make me a huge jerk and cause you not to like me? I need to hear that and know that right away. Uh, if that's not the case, uh, you're going to find out right away. If, you know, if you get into that prayer time, God's going to let you know uh, that He understands about this, that He has a different way for you to look at it. What He wants you to do, and this is a simple idea, He wants you to celebrate the idea of what a perfect and good sex life for you will be. That he wants you to look forward to it and be excited about being married right. and having a really satisfying sexual life. Thank he wants you, you to, to think about, you know, I want to be a good sexual partner to my to, to my future spouse and really spoil them and love them and have this be a part of the nurturing and, and encouraging relationship that we have. I want to celebrate that. I want to learn about this stuff. I want to figure out uh, uh, how to, to be a good uh, sexual partner, as, as Jed's suggesting here. Uh, and that might mean, you know, going to a counselor of some kind or whatever, going, talking to a doctor, whatever those things are, but figuring out and celebrating and looking forward to that idea of what it, what it can be and what it will be, then taking out altogether this idea that it's dirty and that it's evil because it's not. God made it to be amazing. That's a great point, Lee. Well, um, here's the thing. Th- these guys have already just totally smashed this question. Amazing answers, and uh, and I don't think there's a whole lot else that could be said on that. The only thing that I want to uh, that I want to talk about real quick is for all the Christians out there who have been told that because of their sin in the sexual realm in their past, or ha- have felt this in some way that they're doomed to have a, a suckier marriage or a Come suckier on. sexual experience when they get married. Tell them about it. We need to talk about the gospel of Jesus, yeah. okay? And here's what that says. If you have believed in Jesus, all of your sin, all of your wrong that you have ever done, that you might be doing right now, that you will ever do for the rest of your life is all completely and totally forgiven. Completely forgiven. Not only is it forgiven, God has promised that he has drowned it in a sea of forgetfulness. He will never bring it up because he has somehow, God, Almighty God, has chosen to forget it forever. It's gone. It's not on the record. It's never going to come up. He promises he will never punish you because Jesus has already borne the punishment of all of it. He never wants you to feel guilty for it again because Jesus bore the guilt. He does not want you to feel ashamed of yourself. Jesus bore all of the shame. We need to talk about this basic gospel stuff because some of y'all that are listening to the sound of my voice right now think that because you masturbate too much that you're going to have a sucky sexual life in your marriage. Yeah. And it is not that does those things do not equal each other, okay? Do not God is not going to punish you because of your sin in the past by giving you a more difficult sexual experience in your marriage. That is not the way the gospel works. You do not get punished for your sins, period. Jesus was punished for our sins. Jesus said in John chapter 5, verse 24, he said, truly I tell you, and whenever he said that phrase, verily, verily, it is said in the old King James, truly, truly, I say to you, whenever he said that, he was saying, buckle up, folks, this is going to be on the final. This is important. Truly, truly, I say to you, anyone who hears my voice and believes him who sent me has eternal life, will not come into judgment, but has already crossed over from death into life. You will not be judged. You will not be condemned. That is, that 
period, that you will not be judged. He is Man. not going to, you don't have consequences to face. You don't have punishments to that he's going to deal out on you. He is not smiting you. He is not going to get you back, period. He, he, we have laid down the arms. He does not want to hurt you. He does not want to make your life miserable. God, as Glenn has said, as Jed has said, God invented sex. He wants you to be fulfilled. In the in the Song of Songs, when which we've said before is a whole Bible, a whole book of the Bible devoted to sex between married people, and it is steamy and amazing. And in the book, when this couple finally comes together, all of a sudden this third voice comes in, and you're like. Who else is in this room? And it's like the voice of God. And he says, eat, friends, and drink and have your fill. Have a blast. Have a party. And that's the thing. It's like God is saying, this is a blessing. It is good. And you should have fun. I'm not out to punish you. I'm not out to condemn you. This is... This is supposed to be awesome. That's what God wants for you. So you are not being punished. You are forgiven. You are clean. You are whole. You are new. That is the story forever and ever and ever. And anybody that tells you anything different is lying to you, period. <coughs> Amen. All right. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com or thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. You can uh, sign up for our Bridgebox subscription service and get lots of cool stuff. And if you sign up this month, you also get a My Heart is Whole Moleskin Journal exclusive. Ooh. If you're already a Bridgebox subscriber, you can pay $8 to get a guest subscription one month for someone else. Get that journal for yourself. If you think to yourself, I hear you guys talk about Bridgebox, I'd like to be able to sample a little bit of what that is. You can do that now on iTunes, The Bridge Podcast, or you can search The Bridge bridgepodcast.podbean.com that's a weekly podcast a little digital worship service features a couple of bridgebox songs and a sermon every week just a little 20 minute thing to get your weeks kicked off right comes out every monday we appreciate you listening just remember we love you god loves you there's nothing you can do about it matt king beard watch week three still no beard